You're listening to Washington Post Live's weekly conversation series with cultural pioneers and changemakers on race in America. Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Arelis Hernandez, a reporter here at The Post. And today in our Race in America series, we're joined by Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter Iliana Cabrajoglad, or better known as Ile. Welcome to Washington Post Live, Ile. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Muchas gracias. How are you? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get started. So you and I actually met once. Uh, I probably don't remember because we were both tired out of our minds. It was a week of protests in Puerto Rico in el verano del 19, right? These are the protest movement that led to the ouster of the uh, governor of Puerto Rico. That was more than four years ago. Hurricane Maria was more than five years ago. Now you have a new album that highlights some of the power struggles in Puerto Rico that stem from these events that have been happening for quite some time. Talk to us about what the past few years have been like for you and how that's impacted your music. Um, well, it, I think everything impacts me somehow in, in everything that I work on because for me it's impossible to uh, disconnect myself completely to everything that is going on. So I feel that uh, it is a big part of me, of, of my work, actually, uh, what happens around me. So it has definitely been a very tough years. Um, but at the same time, I feel that I have to also find space uh, to heal myself, you know, uh, even though I sometimes uh, feel uh, stressed out about many things that that happen, and not only in Puerto Rico but around the world, that that can affect me. At the same time, I need to find uh, a way to to heal and and be as sanely sanely in, in my mind and uh, to to keep going, you know. So uh, music helps me a lot with that, and I always say that it's like my life tool to to understand a little about how I process everything that happens around me. Well, you have a new song on your album called Donde Nadie Más Respira, and it talks about corruption and abuse of power in Puerto Rico specifically. What do you want the audience to take away from that song? Um, I, I feel that I was very connected to colonialism mostly and and the dynamics that maybe the emotional dynamics that go from that. I feel that um, we as Puerto Ricans tend to idealize a lot uh, the the oppressor, you know, every everyone that seems bigger than us, we feel that we need to give them some kind of respect. Uh, and, and sometimes it is too much, you know, that we don't feel, we feel that we are not enough, that we are not worthy, that everything else is so much powerful, then that means that we are not as powerful, that we'll never be that. And for me, it's crazy. And and it shows the abuse of power that we have been receiving for so many years. And and that's why I say like we are, we, it's not surprising for um, oppressors, you know, to, to have that uh, way of being, but it is painful for me mostly to see that we uh, are willing to take that, you know, to to keep receiving that mistreatment and to keep 
uh, like I said, idealizing the oppressor and, and it's violent. And sometimes violence can seem so silent. Uh, and that for me is, is the crazy part that obviously they're going to find new ways for us to not realize as much the, the damage that we are receiving. Um, but it's up to us to, to keep digging for information, to keep working more as a community, as a country, and believing a lot more in ourselves and what we can do about it. Well, you also have a song featuring Evie Queen. I want to play a small part of it for, for the audience. Take a look here. Tell us more about the song. How did it come to be? I'm sorry, I couldn't understand the question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I just wanted to, if you could tell us a little bit more about this song and how it came to be. Uh, well, this song is, is always started as a combative song, and I feel super grateful to have Evie as a part of that song because I feel that she was the ideal person to be a collaborator in this song uh, because I feel that um, she represents a lot uh, in, in not only in the urban genre, but you know, as a Puerto Rican woman, I feel that uh, she, how, when she started, it was very powerful for me. Um, and, and I wanted this song to have that energy, uh, but also, you know, more towards the times that we are living today and feel that, um, we are tired of so many things and so many toxic patterns uh, towards women. Um, and I feel that sometimes it's okay to allow ourselves to feel rage and to just feel angry about it, you know? And I feel this song speaks about that anger specifically and that rage and that energy of just, you know, trying to, you know, <laughs> fuck everything <laughs> and just, you know, keep, um, sending the message that we want to send that it's uh, it's more basic uh, uh, and I feel that we as a society tend to make everything even more complicated than it should be and and for me it's about understanding each other and, and accepting our differences and just trying to live happy with that you know and and how is that such a difficult thing for us is something that we need to uh, wonder and speak about it more and I feel that the feminist movement tries to to do that uh, and still we are being criticized a lot by everything so it's very difficult to to feel um excited every day you know sometimes you feel frustrated and these songs comes from that frustration but you know transforming it into rage and you know and courage i feel like these are themes that come up throughout the album but can you tell us about the name of the album and forgive me if I say it wrong, Nacarile, is, is that how you say it? Or uh, say the name for us and, and tell us more about it. Yeah, Nacarile, you said it perfectly. <laughs> it's an expression that we use here in Puerto Rico, although I don't know um, how much is being used. For me, it's still being used, but now I'm in my 30s, so maybe I'm old. <laughs> So, but it's an expression that we use that the whole, the full phrase is Nacarile del Oriente. And sometimes we say it shorter with Nacarile or sometimes Naki Naki. And it's just basically a, a way of saying with a lot of attitude, you know, and determination that no, like it's, 
Uh, it can be something as simple as something that you couldn't find and someone asks you and you say, oh, Nakarile, or it can be something like most of the time it's more with that, like an attitude like, oh, no, no, you, no, you didn't. <laughs> so that's what I like about it. It, it felt like a motivational no for me um, to transcend, you know, everything that I was going through while working this album. What would you say is your favorite song on the album and why? I I have I have some, you know, I I mean obviously I love all of them. Every every song is special for me. I I do like Donde Nadie Más Respira a lot um because what it represents, you know. Uh but uh, Escapándome de mí is is another another song that I liked and that's why I felt that after the pandemic, you know, trying to to have like this second uh, release of, of this album, uh, I wanted to kind of start off with Escapándome de mí because I feel that it speaks a lot about um, this other side of the album but that is about taking risks and it's about, you know, taking that leap of faith and just uh, if you feel that it's right for you and it's going to be good for you, then, you know, go for it. Um, even though they there might be things that might scare you a bit, um, but it's about, you know, trusting a little more in yourself. So that's why that one is definitely one of my favorites. One of my favorite things that you do is the way that you contemporize boleros. So I personally, I adore boleros. Those are the first songs that I learned how to sing as a child uh, because they were also the favorite of my abuelo. And the problem has always been, though, that the lyrics, right, are were written by men decades ago that reflect their times and are often problematic for a modern audience. Is that something that you think about when you think about, you know, writing or composing a bolero? Definitely. I mean, I love bolero as well. Uh, and it shook me a lot when I discovered especially like female bolero singers. Um, that had like a completely different message, you know, but uh, as I kept hearing them and enjoying the songs, obviously there's like something in me that feels like there's a limit, you know, there's something that maybe they wanted to say, but they couldn't, or, you know, there was, it were some other times, or most of the songs were written by men also um, that have a different um, perspective. Um, so yeah, like I, I, Bolero for me is such a big part of my life, you know, that I respect it a lot, but I do uh, want to send a different message with the Bolero, you know, not staying in the same place where it was all the time, but, you know, speaking a little about what I would like it to hear in a female Bolero especially. That's awesome. <laughs> so you started your music career with your older brothers uh, who founded Calle 13. And your whole family is pretty outspoken about American imperialism, capitalism, and what it's done to Puerto Rico. How have they influenced you? <laughs> well, we are a big, big family. We are uh, nine brothers and sisters uh, with different marriages. And it's like, it, it's complicated. <laughs> But we do have always had like a great relationship and that is something that I feel super grateful and I realize that not many people have that connection with their family members, unfortunately, and it's almost it seems like it's more common to have a bad relationship with your family rather than a good one. So it's been weird for me to 
to speak about my family, you know, in, in a way that it's it's natural for me to just feel that I I trust my family members a lot and we trust each other a lot. So we do have a great communication and, and I and I value that a, a lot. And we are a lot of brothers and sisters and every one of us have different perspectives of things and are from different generations. But we do come from a mo mostly artistic family. So like that artistic base, I think is what helps to understand each other more. Uh, and I feel that we grow together a lot. So I definitely, as the little one in the in the house that we that I grew up in, uh, I absorbed a lot of information <laughs> from my parents and my brothers and sisters. So I I do I feel grateful about that and I learn from them still. <laughs> When you look back at that time with, with Calle 13, what were some of your favorite memories? Um, I think everything was so unexpected with Calle 13 for us as a family. Like we were just having a good time. We were enjoying everything. And, but at the same time, we, we weren't as aware about what was actually going on. Everything happened so fast and so intensely. and. And it was so fun, you know, it was it was hard to process. I still process something today that I feel like, oh yeah, we did that. Like, wow, that was crazy because it was a long 10 years and um, it was super exciting all the time, you know? So I, I felt um, safe, you know, because I was traveling with my family members uh, and I was a teenager at the time. So I felt like I was like traveling with my family and that felt nice. But at the same time, you know, life was happening and I was just graduating from high school and I didn't know what I was going to do next. I was just enjoying the moment and it was it was weird, you know, to think like I, I'm supposed to be in the in college, you know, but I'm traveling the world and, and learning so many things at the same time. So I felt that uh, it was a great, uh, weird school for me, but uh, I feel grateful because maybe it, it let me know that uh, I'm in the path that I feel that I should be in. Well, Cayetrese was also known as winning the most Latin Grammys ever. Uh, what do these accolades mean to you? And at what point did you decide that you wanted to take, uh, you know, a different path and go the solo career? Um, everything was crazy. I think we weren't expecting at all. You know, I still feel that I, we're not like expectors. <laughs> I don't know the word like we we're not expecting anything, you know, but uh, it was crazy. Like we never thought that the group was going to have uh, that much of success because we were just like as if we were in our home, you know, having fun. So, yeah, I think I think I've always felt that I was going to be in music all my life. Like I was super sure about that. I never thought that I was going to be singing. Um, but then suddenly like everything made sense uh, at the end, you know, like it, it felt right. So um, I feel that everything happens for a reason, you know, like we weren't expecting any of this, but then suddenly it was, we feel so thankful that, that it was like that at the end. And, and we still like keep growing and I keep learning from everything that keeps happening. Um, so yeah, I think I just kind of went with, the feeling, you know, of everything. And 
I, I it was scary at first, like yeah, me doing like my solo career, like it, it I felt a little nostalgic not having my brothers by my side and messing around. But at the same time, I learned something new about myself, and I felt confident about it. And I and that energy with the audience felt different, and and it and it's and it keeps being exciting, you know, being on stage and doing music. It's it's liberating. So I I feel grateful about that. So I'm not going to get away with this uh, interview without mentioning Bad Bunny. Now, Bad Bunny has made history as the first Latin artist to be nominated for Album of the Year at this year's Grammys. He's also made Puerto Rico's struggles a recurring theme in his work. You've worked with him. What were those experiences like? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, everybody asks me about Bad Bunny, and I just see him like a normal person, you know? I, I feel that I... I applaud that he is, you know, uh, using his reach to talk about other things, you know, that are also important about the reality that we are uh, having here in Puerto Rico and the crisis and, and everything. I think it's important because definitely people, a lot of people listen to him and, and pay attention. So it's nice that it's it that his project is not only in the... Uh, surface of things you know it, it has something deeper than that and i admire that about him but but i you know i just see him like a normal guy at the same time and i and it's and it's cool you know like i great i'm happy for him as well as i'm happy for any friend <laughs> well does he have any like works when he's you know composing or does he need exercises or things that he has to go through meditations to, to you know to bring the work together <laughs> i think we um like we we realize that at the end we have like a lot of similarities with other artists like now in this album that i had the chance to work with other artists like suddenly uh you feel that there is a connection in our way of working but obviously we just feel more comfortable with different things and um you know some things might uh vary a little but at the same time i think we just uh go towards what we feel most connected with and that's it's nice like to ha to appreciate that from other perspectives like to feel oh like you go that way and I go this way, but at the end we're we feeling we're feeling the same thing. It's just expressed differently, and it's something that I've learned a lot with my brothers as well and my sisters when we work together. Is they have we have different perspectives, but at the end we we just want to send our message. It's just it just sent in different ways. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, what role do you think artists should have in political movements? Uh, your brothers have been no stranger to this space. And I'm curious from the perspective of a woman, and I'm thinking about Lucecita Benitez, right? Uh, your fellow Boricua who faced censorship and exclusion because of her unabashed political you know, presentation as well as her voice. I mean, do you think that's a role that artists should have or what role should they have in political movements? Well, I think times are different today and we have maybe more distractions than we had <laughs> before. Uh, but I think that we have a lot more access than we didn't have uh, 
Um, so for me, um, even if you're not comfortable, um, you know, combining yourself as a citizen, you know, of, of the world and and your music, you know, it's it's okay. Like I can respect that you see things, you see those things differently. But for me, the important thing is to be informed. That that's that's super necessary. And and what I felt is that sometimes I feel that it it is intimidating for us as artists to to be um, to get into politics and to get into what is happening socially because it's a lot of information and you feel that you're a public figure and you need to know everything but no like you don't have to know everything you just try to understand everything little by little and try to create your own puzzle but with information you know because it is like you cannot do that in any way if you don't go and find information you know and, and ask questions and you know talk to somebody and you know what ha what is going on here why are people reacting this way like what what's happening like it's okay to ask and find uh, information and you get to your own conclusions and for me like it is important like it, it depends on like it's okay uh, how you want to manage them like it's okay if you don't feel comfortable in, in other ways, but it, it is necessary to be informed and you try to figure out how you want to express that. So Hurricane Maria in 2017 really did shine a light on the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico in unprecedented ways. What do you think has changed since then? And, and just for a note to our audience, there'll be some images playing from um, the destruction there. But uh, Ile, what do you think has changed since Hurricane Maria? I think we have always been used to hurricanes. It's something that we expect. You know, we, we don't know how big the disaster is going to be. And obviously in Hurricane Maria, like little by little, we were expecting like it was going to be big. But I think what you don't expect as much, it's how the government is going to react about it and how you're going to be supported. And I think that we felt completely unsafe and we felt unsupported and we felt lied to. And and we, we still, <laughs> we are still feeling that I think, um, at least myself. But um, I feel that it was, it was, um a desilusión, you know, uh, to to feel that I mean maybe for most people that trust more in the government, but to feel that uh, we weren't supported as much and that um like at the end we as a community and as a country uh, and as Puerto Ricans helped each other a lot more than the government did. And it shouldn't be that way. Like uh, I know a lot of communities had to go themselves like uh, up to fix the lighting for the community because no one in the government went to their community to fix it. And they were risking their lives for their community. And you know, it's it's a shame that we are accustomed to that you know we we are accustomed to having governments that don't do enough and don't do what they should so for me the bigger disaster at the end it's that part you know um how suddenly 
when we are vulnerable, vulnerable it's where um, the government take advan takes advantage of that and it becomes beneficial and it becomes an opportunity for the wealthy and then suddenly it's it's a game for them and it's 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 uh, terrifying it's sad it's painful it's disgusting um but yeah that's why i think that at the end uh, it's really up to us like what are they going to do if actually we are everyone every puerto rican is actually on the streets every day uh, risking their lives risking their everything just because they just aren't like we we should be that angry and i feel that we pardon too much way too much than we should but that's part of the treatment you know that's part of the abuse of power that's that's at the end uh what what is happening here so i i try to feel more hopeful that i I do trust in our strength and what we can do about it, but we need to be a lot more. And a lot of people have uh, leave, left the island and it's crazy. Like we're living sad times now and I feel that they are way more critical than what Maria did at the end. One of the things that stuck with me uh, with El Verano del 19 was, you know, I've covered protest movements for my entire career, and this was the first time I had ever seen a result, right, in that, you know, what the people were asking for actually happened. Governor Rosselló, Ricardo Rosselló, resigned and, and left office. Um, do you think that these events, as consequential as they felt in the moment, are, like, have changed Puerto Rico have changed the way uh, the people relate to their government? What? I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries, no worries. You... Uh, just like, you know, Puerto Rico got rid of their governor. They, they did it through protest. How did that change or did it change anything in terms of the relationship between pe the people of Puerto Rico and their government? Okay, okay. Yeah, I... I... I thought I understood that, but I was, I wanted to make sure. Uh, I feel that, uh, I mean, I cannot say that we, that we haven't. I feel that we did learn something big and, and I feel that we don't trust in our government. I feel that people that do trust in our government are a whole lot less than a few years ago. And that gives me hope, but at the same time, we are scared and intimidated to change you know into something new but it's crazy because like like I cannot take it any longer like I live here and I and I cannot take like next year are the elections and I cannot stand <laughs> I, I, like four more years with these people like it's like it's uh, it's crazy and and I feel that we need to maybe you know wh what do we have to lose like like let's just do try to do something new, you know, let's vote for something, di someone different or something different, you know, let's just take that risk because like at the end, like we're like we're stuck in the same place and we're going to keep being stuck if we don't do anything about it. And I know that everything that we've been so used to listening to is exactly that, like every time the government tries to uh, scares scare us as much as possible so we don't make that risk and so we we don't take that risk so 
but we cannot keep listening to that. Like it's brainwash. It's it's like something is like it's not right. And and that's why we need to sometimes, you know, turn off the, the TV and then stop reading the media because they're just confusing us more and more. We need to we need to actually talk with the community and 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 have, you know, an assembly and we need to talk to each other more and, you know, try to find ways where we as a community uh, understand each other because like at the end it's all for us like the country is us it's not the government and and i feel that we really need to protect that and i feel that right now we are totally unprotected a lot of investors are coming to the island and i know it's something happening worldwide but puerto rico is so small that you feel everything so drastically changing and and everything is not affordable for us. Like, like they're literally displacing a lot of communities from their houses. And a lot of Puerto Ricans are the ones that are displacing them because they are working for the North American that is buying the building, you know? Like they're just doing that, you know, making us also like, like the military, you know? The, the Latinos and the Puerto Ricans are the first row that get killed. Like we are, like it's the same, but in a new, 2023 version, but it's as violent as that. Well, Ile, unfortunately, we are out of time, um, so we'll have to leave it at that. But thank you so much for joining us, for talking about our music, for sharing your perspective. Really, really appreciate it. This was a treat uh, for me personally and, and for our viewers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. <laughs> Thanks for listening. To always stay up to date with the series, subscribe to Washington Post Live's Race in America. In Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.